verses. Aren't the Herod angels singing? that this morning say amen. amen amen we're glad to have you Merry Christmas as we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ on this last Sunday in 2020 and uh, the message this morning is can we just forget 2020 the answer is no and I'll tell you why it is good to see Joe and Sharon back with us this morning give them a good welcome back we do that and maybe some others, we are glad to have all of you, and we praise God for this opportunity. As we pray right now, uh, I want to, Ron, good to see you back there too, buddy. As we pray right now, um, I want to thank the Lord for the giving heart of the church as we are, we are easily uh, over $6,600, and I think some more has come in for Lottie Moon, so we praise the Lord for that. And also, as we pray... I want you to thank God that Lena Fritchie is recovering well, so pray for her and Tim. If they're watching this morning, we pray for her. And also, I'm going to ask you to pray for my son-in-law, Kyle, who has a very difficult funeral today at 1 o'clock, the 35-year-old son of the sheriff of Dark County. Uh, that will be in Greenville, so Kyle will do that at 1 o'clock after he preaches twice this morning. So we're going to pray for him, okay? So would you bow your heads? Lord, it's with gratitude that we come today recognizing that you're the giver of everything. And Lord, one thing that we praise you for is for your healing hand. So we praise you for that. God, we pray that you'd continue to move folks uh, through this time of illness, be with those that have lost loved ones. And, and God, we, uh, we pray right now in a special way for those that are recovering. I pray, God, for Dr. Hope that you would continue to protect him. Those that work uh, in health care here in our church, that you would protect them as they minister in a very special way at a very needed time. And, God, we lift up Kyle. Uh, we recognize the difficulty of the hour. And I pray that you would use him to bring a word of comfort, a word of promise from the word of God, and that, Lord, uh, that you would meet every need he has in ministering to this grieving family today. You brought us here for a reason, Lord. Uh, we began 2020 uh, preaching a message that uh, 2020 vision. Little did we know uh, that uh, we saw nothing coming that's here. But you did. 
So we praise you for that. We're going to worship you this morning. Thank you for our worship team. And Lord, let us, let us do that. Let us worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray for every Bible-believing church, every Bible-believing pastor, missionary, evangelist who's preaching the word of God, Lord. We lift up the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen.
as we talked about the 830 service, um, we traditionally only sing, Oh, Holy Night, the first verse. And I thought that second verse especially, we don't sing a lot, but it was so appropriate for as we go into uh, 2021. So it was a holy night, and we need to continue to adore him.
Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have had this morning to sing and to open our hearts and our voices. And that is the prayer of the moment to let us adore you. And God, I would ask that you would forgive us, forgive me of the many times in 2020 that I have failed to properly respond to who you are. So this morning, speak to us once again. Thank you for your word. Open our hearts. Help it to be good, receptive soil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to go ahead and take your Bible and open it and join me in Hebrews chapter 11. If you need a copy, there's one in front of you there, a red copy. You feel free to use that. If you need a Bible, you feel free to take that with you. Also, we want to welcome those that are joining us on live stream. And I want to encourage you to grab your Bible at home and join right along with us. As I mentioned in a prayer, this time last year, hopefully many of you uh, can go back to that first sermon in January. And we talked about 2020 vision. It was the perfect theme and title for a pastor's message as we entered the new year 2020 about seeing with spiritual eyes what God has before us and and just like a parent who knows everything about child raising until you have a kid I was the pastor who knew everything about 2020 until we got into it only to find out that God's in control amen church that he's in control and he has a sovereign plan. Now, let me review a few things about this year that you already know. For many, you've lost loved ones. You've lost friends. You've watched your family struggle through an unknown illness like we've never seen. For many of you, and, and Renee and myself, you have felt the pain of being sick and what it's like to come through it. For some of you, you've had a loved one have surgery and you couldn't even stay in the same hospital while they were recovering. For some, you've lost employment, you've lost business, or perhaps you've owned a business only to see it tank and not be able to continue due to the stress of government shutdowns. For some, you've learned how to work from home. For our schools and our students and our teachers, You've juggled to learn what remote learning's all about as fast as you possibly can. For us, we've tried to lead the church the best we know how. I've had pastor friends who've had people leave because they were doing on-campus services and not closing the church, being accused of not caring for their people. I've had pastor friends tell me that because they were not meeting on site that they were accused of not caring for their church and didn't want to shepherd their people. I've had pastors tell me that they've simply had people leave because they asked them to wear a mask to worship. Folks, normal will never be as we once knew it. When we return to what we believe will be some kind of a normal schedule, I want to assure the church that the table's not going to look the same way as it did before this all happened. God has taught us some valuable lessons. I believe I, have, I, I, believe I slipped into a mentality that we need to offer everything to everybody to make everyone happy. And in the meantime, we may have drifted a mile wide and maybe a foot deep. This year in 2021, we're going to dig into the Word of God, folks. Amen? We're going to dig into the Word of God because the Word of God will help us for the days that are unknown. And I can assure you, we can make all the plans we want to in 2021. Only God knows what's going to happen. But we're going to trust Him. Amen? We are going to trust Him. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I'll admit to you that I, I thought my text this morning was going to be Hebrews 12. Let me reread the first two verses of Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'll tell you why that passage is important this morning. Because if the question is, can we just forget 2020? The answer is absolutely not. We'll never forget 2020. And we need to be reminded of what God has taught us in 2020. I take you now to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. It's, it's entitled by many the Hall of Faith. It's as if the Hebrew writer has handpicked a series of stories that God shows his God-sized provision to those who had God-sized faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it certainly would make sense that the father of faith, Abraham, would be included. Hebrews 11, verse 8, and I'll read. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I want you to mark your Bible right now with your marker or use a, a tithing envelope or something and mark Hebrews 11. And I want to take you to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Let's be reminded of what God was doing in the life of Abram. Who becomes Abraham Genesis 12 beginning with verse 1 now the Lord had said to Abram get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed and the Bible says Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 the hall of faith you know the Bible says for by grace are you saved through faith it's a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast if that is true we need to make sure we understand what faith is if you look at chapter 11, verse 1, we get the, definite, the definition, the biblical definition of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Bible tells us what faith is. And folks, I want to remind you this morning that as we look for answers in life, as we look for answers in our spiritual lives, as we look for peace in the in the days that we're living it's important to recognize what the Bible has to say now when someone says the Bible says and quotes scripture or reads it we should take heed amen we live in a day of opinions everybody's got an opinion even when you share your faith uh, here's a good way to perhaps uh, step through the door that opens in your personal opinion what do you think it takes for a person to get to heaven? Now, I believe that's a good question because everyone has an opinion. And let's say that person, let's say, Mark, I ask you that question in life, and Mark says, well, preacher, you know I'm a good man. I give to the church. I try to treat my wife right, and you know the journey I've been through, preacher. Uh, I believe I, if anybody's going to heaven, I surely deserve it. How would you respond to that? You've got to be kidding. No, you wouldn't. No, I'd say, you know what, Mark, I appreciate you being honest. But can I share with you, listen, listen, can I share with you how the Bible answers that question? Not what I think. Not my perspective as a Baptist preacher, but here's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we're all in the same boat. And you begin to recognize that you're a sinner. You begin to tell them that God loved them so much, Jesus died on the cross for them, and that they can receive that gift as well if they receive him by faith. 
And that's the story of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, W.A. Criswell mentions in his study Bible that Hebrews chapter 11 is a story of faith. And when you look at the Old Testament, you certainly see it. You certainly see where they're confident in the power of God. You certainly see it where Abraham acts on the promises of God. Even when you look down in chapter 11 a little deeper and they begin to mention the faith of Moses, you see Moses overcoming tremendous obstacles, the Red Sea crossing. By faith they trusted God. They esteemed God and his provision above everything else. Well, in this passage today, we recognize that God uses faith in the life of a believer. Now, I'm not talking about reckless faith. Uh, Brother Greg, do you believe that God's in control of, of everything? I do. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. This week we buried Stanley Call, who lived such a precious, long life. God knew that Stanley Call would live a long life and, and that it would be such a blessing. And to hear those folks from Woodland Country Manor talk about how much they're going to miss Stanley Call and his encouragement to everybody. Listen to me. You'll say, well, I can't do that. I can't do what a lot of people can do. Listen, God used a harmonica in a 96-year-old to encourage people. And you've got something in your life that God wants. And he wants to use it for his glory. But it will not happen unless you exhibit faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I were to stop the message right here this morning, here's my warning. Let's quit acting like we know everything and we can do everything. Let's begin to trust the one who's in control. Let's trust the one who's outside of this building. Let's trust the one who's around the curve. Let's trust the one who's in the middle of the dark night. That's who I will cling to. Listen, folks. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Do you believe that? Last night, I watched a ball game. It was Coastal Carolina and Liberty University. Liberty University. Jerry Falwell's Liberty University. They played the game. Liberty was on their way to win the game at the end of the game, and the guy fumbled at the one-yard line from a Christian college. If there's a God, how did that happen? Oh, that coach Hugh Freeze, he stood there. The number eight, the guy who fumbled, went over and sat on the bench. I believe he felt like he let the entire school down and everybody watching. He felt like it was over, but it wasn't over. It went into overtime, and they won it on a, Liberty won it. They won the game. And they're not going to talk about the failure of the fumble. They're going to talk about the trophy that they're holding up. Folks, listen, in life, there'll be plenty of times when you fumble the ball on the one-yard line. I was in seventh grade. Listen to me, athletes. I was in seventh grade. We went 17-0. and 0, But the first game of the year, I laid it up in the wrong basket. Landon, don't you, you crack a smile. I'll have a deacon sitting by you in one minute. I laid it up in the wrong basket. Dave, I went to give my team a high five. Four of them were at the other end. I laid the ball up in the wrong bucket. You know who does that? Maybe you're here and you did it. I can guarantee you're not going to raise your hand right now and, and, and join me, are you? You know who does that? Sometimes people who think they know they can play. You're going to mess up from time to time. You're going to mess up from time to time. And I'm glad I don't see old teammates and old coaches and my mom and, and my dad worked second shift. He wasn't at that game. Boy, it was a blessing for my mom for me to tell him that. How'd the game go? We won. How'd you do? I had two less points than I thought I did. Fol folks, listen. Life is full of failure. But when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he will never let you down. He'll never let you down. And boy, as I think about looking back at 2020, I knew so much about the year ahead of us. But God is faithful. So let's learn some lessons today from Abraham. 
If you have your outline, I believe it's on the back of the bulletin. Follow along with me, okay? Abraham, what can we learn from him? Number one, he obeyed. He obeyed. When he was called, he obeyed. You know, God has, has, I believe, probably been speaking to some hearts in our church over these past few weeks, and, and you've just kind of been resisting. Maybe it's time for you to obey God. What do you mean? Maybe there's an area in your Christian life where you've just not been faithful. Maybe there's an area in your thought life where you've just not been faithful. Maybe there's an area in your viewing life of what you're watching, you just haven't been faithful. Maybe there, there's this call, you're not sure how to describe it, but you feel like God wants you to come to Him. Maybe it's time for you to be saved. And I want to encourage you to count that as a blessing. To know that God loves you enough that he does, doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He wants to give you an opportunity. He's thrown out a lifeline. You know when you have a boat, you have to have certain things in it that if you were to ever pulled over by the parks and recreation or whoever, or a ranger or whoever, that you have to have certain things in, in it. One of them is a throwable life-saving device. Did you know that, Clint? So if I fell overboard, it's something that you could throw to me. And, and I like the fact that it's a connected throwable water thing because I could just see, I could see me falling overboard and Renee throwing me a, a ring and saying, well, good luck on the way in. But no, what? You pull them in. Right? You pull them in. And, and God has thrown the lifeline and maybe it's time for you just to say, okay, Lord, bring me home. I believe. I believe. He obeyed. The Bible says he went when he was called. And there were two things about his obedience. The first one is he went out not knowing. So here's the paraphrase. Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to, to follow me. Lord, where are we going? I'll tell you when you get there. You just be obedient. And secondly, he trusted God, even though he didn't know the outcome. He knew the promise of God. And by faith, he trusted him. Now, if you're with me, say amen. Here's another thing we learned from Abraham. He dwelt where God placed him. He dwelt where God placed him. We just finished a study of Philippians. Um, we were in chapter 4 this past Wednesday. And we were in this passage. Listen carefully. Philippians 4.11. Paul said, and you remember he wrote from prison. Paul said, not that I speak in regard to want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I've learned to be both full and hungry, both to abound and suffer. And then there's the popular verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He dwelt where God placed him. Paul learned to be content wherever he was. And I want to encourage you, this year, instead of looking for greener grass, ask God to do a work in your heart where you're at. Now, I'm not saying that he may not move us or move you from a job or, or move your neighborhood or something like that. But what I am saying is where you're at, why not enjoy the journey? And why not say, okay, God, I don't know what you have in mind, but man, here I am. Have me. You can have me. And I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And I will simply trust you. And as long as I'm here, I'll stay and give it the best I've got. He also understood. When you look at this passage... Abraham understood. The Bible says in verse 8, he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. Listen, as a foreign country, a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let me tell you a little promise, remind you this morning. 
heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. That's why Abraham knew that this was just temporary. This, I'm just a foreigner passing through. And folks, that's exactly who we are this morning. We are citizens of another land. And I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through right now in your life, this is just a minor temporary thing because eternity is coming with the Lord forever and ever. Heaven is not some made-up imagination of a preacher to make somebody feel good when they lose a loved one. Heaven is the very promise of the Word of God. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to heaven, not based on being a preacher or what I think I am. I know what I am. I'm a sinner that was lost and Jesus died on the cross so that I could have hope. I've never met anybody that said they didn't want to go to heaven. I've never met anybody who's, who, didn't, who said, I don't want to go to heaven when I die. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But you do not go to heaven by default. You know what default is? It's when you turn on your computer and there's some pre-programmed places and it goes right to the home page. Well, you see, default for us is hell because we're sinners. But Jesus paid the price so that eternity with him could be ours and he offers it as a gift amen as a gift I imagine many of you got some interesting Christmas presents this year I think one that's going to pay great dividends in our family is Jordy our youngest grandson got a punching bag and uh, uh, he, he's into this ninja stuff and his dad has taught me taught him a move when he goes Let, let's wrestle ninja and Kyle acts like he's going to hit him, like chop his head, and Jordy ducks. So Kyle just sweeps across his head. So I thought I'd do the same thing. And I said, Jordy, let's do ninja. And I ducked my head, and he hit me right in the head. So that thing's already proven to pay off in the family. Folks, listen to me. Everything that we have on earth is temporary. Your life is temporary. Your loved ones are temporary. The Mike Bowling family has a song that says, Love the people that God gave you because one day he'll want them back. Oh, man. We spent Christmas with Renee's mom, Christmas Day, for several hours. 94 years old. How many more Christmases do you get? My mom and dad are in their 80s. How many more do you get? There's no guarantee I'll be here next week or you'll be here next week. Do you think this police chief knew that his 35-year-old son would wreck and it cost him his life? This is temporary. But thank God for the hope of heaven. Abraham knew that by faith. The Bible says, uh, okay, you're in 11, flip over to 12. Look at verse 22. 12:22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. You know when you continue on and look in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 14. 13:14. 14. For here we have no continuing city. Where? Here. But we seek the one that is to come. Heaven heaven I've never met anybody that said they didn't want to go to heaven and if you're here today a child of God who's given your life to Christ here's what you can leave with peace knowing regardless of what the world throws at me I know that eternity is real and heaven is where I'll spend it with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and I thank God for Marcia who picks songs week after week that we can sing about going to heaven and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who we are to adore and praise forever and ever amen he understood but he also waited Abraham said I'll wait until then you know the Bible says in Psalm chapter 40 I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry the psalmist also says lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation on you I wait all day wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait I say wait on the Lord rest in the Lord the Bible says wait patiently in him 
Psalm 37, 34 says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. Psalm 39, 7 says, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Psalm 130, verse 5, I waited for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. Abraham waited. That's what we can learn from him. Sometimes faith, listen, sometimes in the waiting rooms of life is where God is really working. And I don't know if, if you're like me or not, but you get in a hurry. I get aggravated with Renee. Uh, not, not, not my love for her, but, but her technical savvy. When something doesn't work on a computer or on a phone or an iPad, she's like, Greg, Greg. And I say, what, what? I, this, is, this is stuck. It's stuck. Did you try to restart it? And after, after long, I, I don't think I'd be a good IT guy, John, like your son or like, uh, like Nathan, because I, I, I kind of say, listen, all you had to do is reboot. I'm glad when a guy comes in here to help us with our church computers, he don't act like I do and say, hey, Greg, all you got to do and get frustrated and frustrated. Sometimes in the waiting rooms of life is where God's doing his best work. But, but we're kind of in a different season, aren't we? We don't wait like we used to wait. Thank the Lord for microwave ovens. And now they have these things called Instapots where you can crockpot something fast. You know why? Because I don't want to wait on supper. I don't want to wait. And in the waiting rooms of life is where God is getting our attention. Listen, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac came. Oh, they'd tried to do it their own way, him and Sarah. They tried to do it their own way. That's where Ishmael comes into the picture and Hagar, the maidservant. But it was Isaac who God had promised. And in all of that waiting, God comes through and blesses them. And one of those heirs that's going to carry this whole thing through is Isaac. And I told you I'd give him to you. But he waited. He waited. Here's another thing I learned from Abraham. He had hope. Chapter 11, verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, he had hope. And his hope was that God could use him. He was part of a miracle. Let's keep reading. For by faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Who? The Lord God. The Lord God. Verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead. Who are they talking about? Abraham. And him as good as dead. A hundred years old. Were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. Innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. He had hope he was part of a miracle. He was part of a miracle. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been part of a miracle. You've been rescued. And that's what God wants to do in your life if you're here and you don't know him. Abraham was part of a, boy, I got more than I expected. More than I'd hoped for. Do you guys know what shuck beans are? My dad, who was raised in East Tennessee, calls them leather britches. Well, years ago, we, got, we received some shuck beans as a gift, a little bag. And, and I've cooked green beans before, so uh, we, we put these, uh, rinsed them off and put them in a pot. And one thing I did not realize was that shuck beans swell. So I cooked them all. And it was the biggest pot of shuck beans you've ever seen in your life. I got more than I expected. Now, folks, listen to me. When you come to Christ, anybody willing to stand up and be bold enough in this service to say, God has let me down? Anybody want to stand up and say, God didn't come through with his end of the bargain? I don't believe any of us can. 
because he's always faithful. He always keeps his word, and we can trust him. Listen, when you come to Jesus, you're going to get more than you hope for. Why? Because there is a city coming who has the foundation that will stand for eternity, and it's with the Lord Jesus Christ, and in him I will place my faith. One writer said, heaven, they say, is a place to be. Up in the skies, all I can see are abstract clouds of glorious seas. Heaven, they say, is a promised dream. An unseen paradise, to me it seems, which we see only in our dreams. Heaven, they say, is home. Every inch of it I wish to roam. Heaven, they say, is a promised land. For the righteous, if you understand. Heaven, they say, is forever. It's forever and after and not never. But I say, heaven is the ultimate reward from the Almighty God. Folks, I believe heaven is the icing on the cake for the believer. Jesus said, I've come to give you life that you might have it more abundantly. Abundant life comes in the form of peace and joy and contentment. You can't buy those things with a dollar. There's no educational parchment on your wall that will automatically make that happen. That's from knowing the Prince of Peace. He gives hope, amen? He gives hope. He was part of a miracle. And then as we close, he was a multiplier. He was a multiplier. When you look at this passage, verse 12 says, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, innumerable as the, stand, as the sand which is by the seashore. He was a multiplier. You know what the Bible says about Abraham, Romans 4, 19, and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He trusted God. The Bible says in Genesis 15, Then he brought him outside, look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. He was a multiplier. And I believe when you look at where we are as we head into this new year, that as a church, myself as a pastor, our leadership in the church, the best thing we can do is begin to let others grow up in their faith, use their gifts, and become a multiplier of the ministry. You say, what do you mean, Brother Greg? We can do way more as the body of Christ than one preacher can, or one staff can, or one family can. And folks, let me tell you, let's not, every time we see young people doing anything in the church, we ought to praise God for it. We ought to praise God for it. And every now and then, listen, when you let somebody do something that's never done anything, sometimes things are going to go a little crazy. That's okay. That's okay. You've witnessed 28 years of that here with me. It will happen from time to time. But God's on the throne, amen? God's on the throne. And the good news is our job is not just to sit here and gather and can everything and keep it to ourselves. Our job is to raise up and pour into those that will be here if the Lord tarries way after we're gone. How do you want to be remembered? Somebody that controlled everything? Or somebody who poured everything they had into someone else's life? One reason I'm here today, outside of the grace of God is because I had parents that loved me enough to put me in a position to hear the gospel. That I had faithful preachers in little churches and bigger churches that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you as a church family have walked with me all these years, mistakes and all, and didn't say, maybe it's best that we go another direction. That God raised up people to serve beside us and behind us that had those gifts that we cannot use. You know, I told Marcia, it's a blessing to help with music at 8.30 a lot of times. I said, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever hesitate asking me if you, if you need me to lead music, I'll be happy to. But boy, the 10.30 service is a different game. And I'll tell you why. Because when you lead, Landon, when you all lead worship in the 10.30, it's being piped all across the world. Huh? Every now and then, I forget to turn my microphone off. 
and I'll be singing away with you right here on the front, and then I'll watch the message, and all of a sudden, I'll, Greg, I'll say, what's that odd voice singing with the praise team? And then I realize it's me. It's me. You know, some of you are sitting here right now, and you're thinking, God couldn't use me. Maybe he can't use you because you've never really surrendered and say, God, okay, I'll do the best I can. Here I am. I can open a door. When nursery comes back, I, I can help with somebody's kids so that they can enjoy. I, I praise God for you that are bringing your kids to worship. I know it's hard. Man, that's, I, I love that, though. Thank you for being faithful. He was a multiplier. You farmers pass things down to your kids. They know how to do it. My dad taught me how to change oil in a car when I was a boy, and, and uh, then I bought a car, and there's no way you could change oil by yourself. But I remember those things. Ken, you pass things down to Brad that he knows just how to do because he saw you, and you because you saw your dad. He was a multiplier. And he did all of this by faith. By faith. You see, the issue is one of stewardship rather than ownership. And God said to him, Therefore from you, Abraham, as good as dead, the whole Jewish race would come because of your faithfulness. And I'll use you. Innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So folks... I don't want to forget 2020. It'll be, it'll be in the school books down the road. 2020, the world pandemic. Schools went remote. Churches didn't have worship services. Businesses were shut down. Curfews were put on people. My prayer is that we would recognize that God was in it and God is in 2021. And instead of me preaching this year like I know everything about 2021 that's coming, I'm going to trust the Lord day by day. We're going to do the best we can to lead him and to love him and to follow him. And before long, we'll be back to small groups. And before long, we'll be back to child care. And we'll be getting things back the way they used to be. But I want to assure you, they're never going to be exactly the way they used to be. Because God is calling us now to walk by faith. Stanley calls in heaven. His faith has become sight. And that's what we long for, every one of us. Amen? To God be the glory, great things he's done. Let's all stand together.